Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. A very, very quiet uh, transfer window, a very quiet couple weeks for Chelsea. Um, obviously, the boys are still enjoying their international break for the most part. A couple of them are on international duty uh, doing their thing. Um, here to join me to kind of break down all the transfer news um, and also talk about um, Chelsea's transfer news or lack thereof um, is Andres. As always, Andres, how you doing, man? Well, I'm doing all right. I th- I thought this international break was going to be a, a much needed rest from all the Chelsea craziness, but I'm itching for some Premier League action, some Chelsea action and when there's no news about Chelsea, um, my countdown for the weekend is is even more uh, in the forefront of my mind. I mean, just uh, actual uh, football aside, um, it was a great American football weekend in terms of just pure entertainment value. I mean, I'm it has one been of the all few... international break. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect timing too, right? It kind of uh, gave us a little something to do here, <laughs> at least in the U.S. Um, I mean, I'm not big on 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 American football in general, Andres, but it was a uh, it, it was pretty exciting. Were you watching any of those games or? Uh, I caught the beginning of the Bengals uh, Chiefs game, and then that got ugly. So <laughs> I started spending time with family. I didn't pay attention to it. In our group text, Psalm is a big Bengals fan. Then that's when I saw him blow up on the group text and everybody congratulating him. So. Then I had to go back and catch the highlights of that game. Uh, the Rams won in the evening. I, I watched the the back end of things. So, yeah, both weekends. I mean, six football games in the past two weekends. More, more football than I've watched. And we're talking American football here than I've watched all season. But I chose the right time to, to catch <laughs> up with the NFL. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, Sam got absolutely shit-faced, diehard Bengals fan. So, we gave him a pass on this week's pod. We told him just, you know, do your thing, relax, be a lawyer and stuff. Um, so you and I are at it, Andres. I mean, let's just kind of get right into it. Um, fuck American football for a second. <laughs> um, I mean, Chelsea really didn't uh, do much this transfer window. Obviously, um, staying quiet didn't sit well with a lot of fans. Um, but for someone like me, Andres, personally... Uh, I kind of side here uh, with with Ron. So, you know, starting to pot off, um, we'll go right into his Twitter question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. the czar of the Roman Empire. While I'm happy we didn't add Bakayoko or drink water, the fact we did nothing but recall Kennedy is pretty alarming. Still think with the current squad we can stay as competitive as we are? So, as I said, I think, you know, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that we didn't bring anybody back that, that we didn't bring anybody in. Um, Andres, maybe you can break it down in a little bit more detail. I mean, I think this goes back to the whole catch 22 situation, right? The people, the fans are like, Oh, we need to sign someone. We need to sign someone. We need to sign someone. And then come summer, what are you going to do when, Connor Gallagher is back when Armando Broja is back. So while I do think that in the immediate, because of injury, we could have used some help, 
I'm going to side with a little bit of more patience. I think the board is not going to pull the trigger or or pull out their axe on Tuchel. So it gives me a little piece that, okay, they're, they might be thinking bigger picture here. They tried getting Emerson back because they wanted to just get someone that would slide in instead of need time to adapt, knowing that left wing back is the the biggest need right now without Chilwell. But... Yeah, Ron mentioned a few names, but he didn't mention the biggest January signing that was uh, a bit of a misstep for Chelsea in my mind in uh, Gila Joby. Gila Joby, or however you say well, that Papi, guy's name. Papi, Papi Gila Joby. Papi so, Diloboji or whatever. Diloboji, ah, yeah. Diloboji. He played like what? A minute of football in a you game could... one time? Like, I don't even know his total minutes for Chelsea. All I remember was that he, he came in in January and people were trying to like, oh, he he's coming from the same agent that got Kurt, that we got Kurt Zuma from. Like, he's the real deal. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of January signings unless you can capitalize on, on, pl- on players that have maybe six months or less in their contract. Uh, Juventus did a good job of getting someone like Zakaria from Motion Gladbach for pennies. He's a solid, yeah. solid box-to-box midfielder. So... To me, I, I'm going to be with Ron here. I think it's better that we didn't go crazy with something outrageous. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, it's probably the safer bet, right? Also, we we tend to forget, you know, there's there was so much hype around that one performance from Harvey Vale at left back. There's so much hype around, you know, the, the Malang Sar performances at left back, especially the one most recently against Tottenham. So I think in terms of the left-hand side, I mean, we should be okay. Don't forget, we still have Marcus Alonso. Um, apparently, Reese James is going to be back in contention for the squad um, when we get Plymouth this weekend. So, you know, when you really look at our numbers, Andres, it, and I think this is the overarching point, is we're not really lacking at the moment if, you know, there's no setbacks with Reese and that nobody else gets hurt. It's a big if this season. But, um, you know, five fullbacks for two positions seems pretty pretty good for the rest of the season if need be so um yeah go for it yeah I just think stick to the back four if if we're thin on defense just put less defenders on the pitch Mm -hmm. rely on your midfielders uh so yeah don't bring in a wing back that you're never going to be able to sell a la la Zappa Costa you know so Mm -hmm. let's fight it out for the rest of the season you you said it the Lewis Hall Malangsar Marcos Alonso in a back four, even Aspie can play left back. So mm-hmm. stick to what you got, stick to the players that understand what you're trying to put out on the pitch instead of bringing a guy that's going to take half of the remaining season to, to adapt the tactics and then may not even be in the plans long-term. I said Lewis Hall earlier, right? Why do I feel like I said Harvey? You said Vail. Harvey Vale. Yeah. Okay. Lewis Hall. Let's just get the record straight. I caught myself. <laughs> um, we had another Twitter question I thought was pretty interesting uh, at Wilson for USA. Shout out to Wilson for USA. You're the man. A couple weeks now you've been asking us questions, so I appreciate it. Uh, when it comes to Chelsea, would it be fair to say that no news is good news when it comes to last minute January transfers? I mean, I think we kind of covered that a little bit, but um, I mean, me personally, <laughs> I guess this is a good time to talk about it. No news on the Usman Dembele front for me is a win for Chelsea. 
you know, that was that was a rumor that kind of popped up in the last week or so. It divided Chelsea fans right down the middle. I felt like half of us wanted him, half of us didn't. I was in the camp that if you think Pulisic's injury prone, just wait until you see Usman Dembele. Um, but for me, Andres, I think this is a decent transfer, uh, a decent January window in terms of we didn't revert back to our usual habit of buying, you know, a Zapacosa or drink water like Ron just mentioned. And we didn't sell Broja, which was a big thing. Southampton wanting mm-hmm. to make that deal permanent this month. Tuchel has reiterated multiple times he wants Broja. And I know we're going to talk about some other stuff later, so I'll keep some thoughts for later in the podcast. I mean, since you mentioned Tuchel, I, I did kind of want to air this out once we hit the record button. I just wanted to mention it at some point, but... Big shout out to Tuchel during this transfer window for not shitting the bed um, pu- publicly. Like we've seen every single manager do in the past in terms of, you know, asking for players publicly in press conferences, uh, saying that the squad is weak and is, is too weak, saying that the squad isn't strong enough or any variation of that. Um, I don't think we've ever heard Tuchel mention that. We always heard a very consistent, we're tired or were injured, and if I have the full squad available to me, I'm completely happy with it. I think he's said that a dozen times by now. So big shout-out to Tommy Tuchel. I think I think he handled this transfer window really well, considering, you know, that he was going into it, let's not forget, um, with a little bit of heat on him. He wasn't, he wasn't pulling out good performances. The players weren't really uh, performing well on the pitch either. Um, everything seemed discombobulated. So I feel like it could have been a little bit worse, no? Yeah, and again, that gives me the feeling that the board is in on the Tuchel project. I think any sort of feeling that there may be a, the, the axe may be getting ready to, to go, I, I, I don't feel that. I think usually if a manner if a manager is going out to the media, that's to to get the public behind him to put pressure on the board because he may not be in a comfortable place. So to me, I'm hoping and praying that this is a a breath of fresh air in terms of how the board sees the manager. Yeah, I think so. I, I hope that's, that's the case at least. Um, all right, well... I think a running theme this year, Andres, as we're moving on here is, you know, Chelsea players coming out with interviews where, you know, we have a lot of quotes that get taken out of context and things that get said and things that spark Twitter debate, spark debate amongst Chelsea fans. Um, If you've been living under a rock, Pulisic uh, had some quotes last week about uh, regarding his playing time and, you know, just his general situation at Chelsea. Um, If you're not from the United States, uh, these rumors and reports and news articles come out every international break. And I know Andres could co-sign that being a fellow American. So we finally heard something from Pulisic this week. Um, I'll just go ahead and read it out here. Quote, it's tough. I haven't always been playing in positions I want to play in, but I think it's a good quality to be versatile and be able to play in all kinds of positions and have different strengths on the pitch. So, yeah, I've learned a lot, and I think I'm ready to be hopefully in a spot in the next couple games that I'm more comfortable in. Obviously, it's been up and down this year, for sure. Not exactly where I want to be, 
and how I want things to be right now. But yeah, I'm just going to keep going. And like I said, it doesn't affect me when I come here. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, he continued, when I come to the national team, it's how are things at Chelsea? What's this and what's that? And yeah, things are tough. It's tough. It's definitely played a lot on me. And mentally, it's been difficult at times. Um, so Pulisic, one of the only Chelsea players, um, you know, I, I know Edouard Mendy's also on international duty as well, Thiago Silva. Um, but I think those are the only three, if I'm not mistaken, Andres. Um, but yeah, he's on international duty, World Cup qualifiers. Um, he has not been playing well. Let's just, uh, you know, put that out there. But I think the team hasn't been playing well. Um because we have a manager that cares more about a shoe game than results. But Andres, I mean, these, these quotes, obviously they, they could seem alarming. I know a lot of some Chelsea fans have been freaking out about it. So yeah. let's break it down. What did he actually mean by it? Uh, one's plain and simple. He's only played left wing three times this season. And when you think about the fact that we're over halfway through our season, we're past the group stage in the Champions League. It is what it is. He's only started three times where he's where he plays, uh, playing at a wing back position. People can argue, oh well, Chilwell and Reese James score. It's like, yeah, because that's their position and they're comfortable there, and and the the tactics were drawn around them being the focus. That changes when they're not there, and. You know, he's talking about perhaps in the next couple of games he can go somewhere comfortable. Again, I'm praying that means that the back four is staying and he'll give, be given the chance to compete with Cho for that left mid spot in the 4-1-4-1 or in the 4-2-2-2, whatever it may be. I think besides that, he's just being honest. I mean, if I play a position and I grow up playing in a position and I earn the number 10 because of how I play in that position – and then I don't play there, sure, I'm going to be frustrated. Especially when you go back to the U.S. and you're the captain of the U.S. and you're the centerpiece for the U.S. and people want to know, why aren't you playing? It's How else are you supposed to feel? When he's the center of attention, you want to come in with good news and and he doesn't have much to report. I mean, Chelsea as a team is doing okay. You know, we're still in all the trophies that we can compete in as a club. But individually... He's having a tough time, and the English media loves to point out when he doesn't play well when he's out of position. So mm. I don't think he said anything that's out of turn. Yeah, I I, I agree with you as a biased American. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I think the difference, Andres, with this is, you know, I, I believe him. I think he's genuinely being candid about it, and I feel like he's a victim of – his own personality in a sense. Um, the fact that he's a yes man when it comes to the team and just says, yeah, I'll play there. Um, I think that's kind of affected him this season. Obviously it's, it's been forced. I mean, we saw him play right back at one point. So yeah. that kind of tells you a little bit of everything you need to know. Um, and, you know, it's different from Lukaku's interview. I, I've seen people come out and say, you know, this is what the fuck is this? What, what's with our players voicing displeasure? I mean, yeah, uh, 
who would expect him to be happy? But at the same time, he's not turning around and saying he loves another club. He's not turning around and saying that, you know, he thought he was going to be playing in a different system or a different setup. No, he understands the circumstances, yeah. he knows what happened. And he said time and time again, I'm going to I'm going to keep working and my time's going to come. He still has, you know, the know how of what the fuck to say to the press when they ask you a tough question. So I, I think he handled it well, honestly. But at the same time. You know, Pulisic's a very quiet character in general, so I don't think he's one to go out and, you know, say some sketchy things to the media that could be portrayed in multiple ways. I mean, he was very, very transparent here. So I don't know. I mean, let's just I'll ask you the difficult question. Um, If it continues like this, I mean, it's probably in his best interest to look elsewhere, isn't it? Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, it's a it's a matter of we've seen what he can do when if he stays healthy and he gets the starts where he plays. I mean, under Lampard's first year, Chelsea was able to get top four because post the COVID break, Pulisic scored nine goals. Yeah, and he was the man. Like everybody going into season two of Frank Lampard knew that Pulisic had locked down that left-wing position. It wasn't a secret. He, again, was had earned to keep that number 10. He was in the same level as Mount in terms of like his uh, output and how fans looked at him. But at the end of the day, if he's not going to get minutes, you know, it's still a crowded front three, front two, however, outside mids realm at Chelsea I think there's going to be a lot of people moving and being the captain of the USA team has some merit to it it has marketing value for whatever other clubs may be interested any club that runs a 4-3-3 should be looking at him as an option so to me is he gone? If you ask me today without knowing if he's going to get chances to play is he gone this summer? I think he should leave Honestly. Yeah, it's if, it's, if if the season ends today, leave. We get money. Chelsea gets money. They'll they'll spend it and hopefully get a player that fits the the system and and fits what Tuchel may need out of the player. Uh, playing time wise may not need as many minutes as someone like Pulisic who is approaching his prime. So season ends today. I think it's one of those things where like you don't have to vilify him. Because that's what I saw all over Twitter. Yeah. It could be a thank you for your service. Go get your career back on the right track. I'm hoping selfishly as an American fan, as a Pulisic fan, that the part of the quote where he says that hopefully in in the next couple of games he can be more comfortable uh, is not about the USA, but about the Chelsea matches coming up that he may get to play in the left mid position. Yeah, we saw Cho immediately play better in the four-one-four-one. Hopefully, Pulisic will be given that shot. So, I want to see him start in that in in that um in that system. But I also, I mean, I, I just think in general he needs to play more. Yeah. You know, if that's going to be our new look going forward, which I hope it is, um, he definitely needs the playing time there. I'm just kind of moving on here. We got a. Uh, New transfer news about Tino Andrin. So his loan from Locomotive Moscow was cut six months early or six Yikes. months short, however you want to put it. Um, 
Andres, I didn't know this, but I read it, and I don't know how true this is, but I thought I'd include it in the pod. They apparently unretired the number 10 shirt for him, and it was previously worn by, you know, the guy they thought was their best player. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Um, But, you know, Andrew only really played, what, like less than 300 minutes for the club before getting hurt. Um, And news came out that he'll be joining, you know, fellow uh, Chelsea Loney, Levi Colwell, on loan. Um, I think we could both agree on this, but is is it a good move? Let's just uh, let our fans know. If he gets to play, <laughs> sure. Any move that gets these players minutes is great. I I still don't know. Andrew is is another one of those Swiss Army knife players where I don't know what his best position is. I've seen box to box. I've seen number ten. I've seen him be an outside player at times. I think it's almost to a detriment to some of these young players because then they never become a, like an identity. But Levi Colwell, when he was healthy had locked down what seemed like that starting left center back spot for them when they deployed a back three. So maybe there's going to be a position for Andrew and whether it's in a back three or in a back four, they keep switching systems where he can get more than 300 minutes. I mean, worse comes to worse. He, he just gets his footing again. And and in the summer he'll get a look, a, a realistic look at here in the club. But I mean, English, English, like lower leagues uh, loans to me have gotten better in terms of where we send players recently. I mean, Gallagher at Carlisle was great. Levi Colwell here, Huddersfield has been great. Mount was I great be- at Derby, Tamori. Yeah, Norwich being the one kind of not so great with Billy Gilmore. But I'm trying to think, before he went to Lorient, Trevor Chalaba was playing with somebody too, and it wasn't Huddersfield town, but... Ipswich town and he Ipswich, was yeah. he was doing well there too there's just a physicality to to the lower leagues that can translate better to the premier league so yeah. to me i value uh when they can get good minutes yeah uh consistently yeah me too i think i think going to his playing time thing i forgot to include this but i, I read a little uh, transcript of their manager you know just giving his opinion on a transfer and he said yeah i could definitely see him helping our attack when he comes in in February. He can either play the 7, the 11. Uh, you know, he mentioned a number 10 role. So he's clearly looking at him as, you know, an attacking player uh, for the team. So I think we're going to see him deployed somewhere in that front line. Hopefully he can get back from that foot uh, injury that he had. Um, taking a sidestep, still kind of Chelsea-related, very Chelsea-related when it's Frank Lampard. Um, he's joining Everton, Andres. He's taken Joe Edwards with him, man. And Chelsea said that they're not going to really stand in his way. They'll, they'll, you know, let him leave respectfully. You know, he's done well here at the club. Um, and it's expected that he'll accept a larger role under Lampard at Everton, which I think is very well deserved. You know, he was part of our staff for God knows how long now. Um, 27 years of total um, kind of servitude to Chelsea, I believe. Yeah, so, you know, definitely left his mark here. Um, and I think it's well-deserved. So I wish both of them well, obviously. I want to see both of them succeed. Um, but this is a situation for Frankie where, I don't know, Andres. I mean, Everton are in 16th. They're only four points above the drop zone. Newcastle just dropped a shit ton of cash. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Everton lost their three league matches. I think they only won one in their last five. Things are falling apart under the fatty. 
Um, they brought in Lampard. Now here's the thing: I don't think Frank was necessarily their first their first uh, choice either, because I know they interviewed they interviewed a range of people. Man, they considered Duncan Ferguson at one point. They, they wanted Mourinho. Yeah, they considered Mourinho. They were even they even brought in Cannavaro to talk to him, which I thought was way out of left field. But I'm personally um, a bit concerned for this one. I think I, it's a it's a tough task to rebuild that to rebuild that team to rebuild that club. They had an awkward transfer window. I thought they brought in two number tens. Uh, they brought in Dele Alli and Donny Van de Beek. Yeah, I saw. I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know much about the board at Everton. I know that they had been playing a 4-4-2 uh, pretty consistently, even under Benitez. Calvin Lewin had gotten hurt, which really hurt their form, but he's back now. I'm just curious. I, I really am on on how Frank is is planning on playing with these players. It's really sad that he lost Lucas Dean going into this higher because he would have loved to have that sort of profile at fullback yeah. just just knowing what he did with Reese James and, and Chilwell. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I'm curious to see if he's going to play Richarlison now wide because he prefers, you know, a front three. You mentioned a variety of number 10s, Donnie Van de Beek and Dele Alli. Uh, Damari Gray is probably going to be his left winger. I am curious. I think I think Everton is better than 16th. I really do think the manager yeah, situation under Benitez and the injury of, of Calvin Lewin and I think Richarlison for a little Their whole bit. back line at one point. I mean, I know their back line's been riddled with injuries. They've been playing Godfrey as a right back for a while. Seamus Coleman came back from the dead to play for them for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so, their, their injury situation was kind of messy too with, you know, everything going on. Even even with the Newcastle funds, I mean, worse comes to worse. And I mean, worse comes to worse. You have a decent manager in Lampard that can maybe get you out of the championship. <laughs> no, no. I think I think in all honesty, I feel like this is rock bottom for for, for Everton. Because I'm looking at the table. I mean, I could, clearly Newcastle is the favorite to leave that drop zone or relegation zone. But, you know, that still leaves Everton in 16th. Um, Everton could afford the drop down even and technically be okay. So yeah, and they're think, two games behind. Yeah, yeah. So they got two games in hand. That's definitely uh, helpful for them. Um, I want to move to the other side of Anfield. Uh, where the mercy side? Where the mercy side? Sorry, <laughs> to Anfield. Excuse me. Yeah, I had to pause there. I was like, wait, I'm all over the place today. Um, but Liverpool obviously made a big signing today, uh, and they almost made another one, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, brought in Luis Diaz, the 25-year-old Colombian international. You've seen him everywhere. Uh, he came from Porto. A lot of top clubs were after him. Uh, Tottenham was one of the clubs that was linked to him, but not one of the top clubs. Uh, had to throw that in there. Um, the transfer fee was $37.5 million. It could rise another $12 million depending on, you know, future add-ons and all that good stuff. So, I mean, Andres, I, I, I did a little bit of research. The dude's pretty talented. I mean, um, if you haven't seen it yet, he scored a ridiculous bicycle kick in a World Cup qualifier. I think it was a World Cup qualifier. Could be mistaken, but it was a, <laughs> it was a match winner, too, just to add on to top, all of that. He's quick, he's pacey, you know, he's very direct. He likes to play off the left and cut into his right like most, you know, modern wingers do now. 
Um, in the previous two seasons, he only managed to score six goals apiece. And then this season, in the first half, he only he scored 14 already, assisted four, and 18 appearances. So he's he's chipping in a goal a match, basically, um, contributing at least. So it's interesting, Andres, because, you know, the Liverpool front three, at least the starting one, Firmino, Salah, Mane, they're all approaching 30 years old and they're all approaching the end of their contracts. So I feel like this, the, the, it feels like an insurance policy. Uh, more than, you know, a game-changing signing. Uh, I think that this is just great business by Liverpool again. Uh, I think I mentioned all this whenever it was me and Salm after Brighton, and the advantage of Klopp being there for, what, seven, eight years now? I, I don't really know how long it's been, but he knows exactly what each position needs. And you pr- mentioned Mane approaching 30 and his pace and, and directness has gone down a little bit, and so has his production. So what do you do to try to get Mane to play better? You sign a guy who is a very similar profile of what Mane was in his prime, who's hungry, ready to prove himself, just like Diogo Jota was when you signed him from Wolves. Mm-hmm. And Jota has already put, surpassed Firmino as a striker. Mane has been chilling at left wing until now. I think that Luis Diaz isn't just a backup. I think that he is a guy that's supposed to compete and and do what it takes to earn that left wing spot. And if it's not for for Mane, Salah is asking for a lot of money. And Liverpool may not be able to to pay up. So yeah. that's where the maybe the insurance side of things comes. But if it's a this is another one like the Timika deal where Today, no, I don't expect the same level of quality as Asadio Mane at left wing, but Mane got his head just completely clattered at AFCON, so he might not be back immediately. Luis Diaz fits a similar profile and can do Mane-like things, not at that level yet, but it's just a like-for-like sub right now, just Mm -hmm. like Simikas and Robertson. They, They had good similar crossing numbers. You don't have the same kind of pizzazz in the crosses like you do with Robertson when Samikas plays, but it gets the job done. And I think that's what Luis Diaz is today with the potential of surpassing Mane. I think this is a very, very smart deal. Yeah, and I also read that, you know, he fits the profile in the sense that he's he's used to doing the hard yards. He tracks back defensively yeah. and he helps the team retain their shape. So, I mean, that that's, that's the first thing on Jurgen Klopp's checklist is how much is this guy going to run for me? So... Um, that's Liverpool's uh, main chunk of business. Um, Manchester moving on to Manchester City, there was no real major business done. I mean, obviously they sold for on Torres for you know, damn near the price they bought him for. Who wouldn't? Um, Barcelona think he's worth a million, a billion pound release clause. Good luck, Barcelona. Um, but you know they came out and they signed Aguero 2.0, or at least someone that's dubbed as the next Aguero. Um, Julian Alvarez, uh, striker from River Plate, 22 years of age. I mean, he's already pretty credentialed, Andres. He won South American Player of the Year last year. He won Copa America with Argentina last summer. Um, And to add to all of that, um, he averaged a goal every 90 minutes in 2021, the calendar year. So, um, you know, Man City loaned him back immediately till the end of the season. They're probably going to bring him back in next year. Like I said, dubbed the next Aguero. 
we won't really know what to say about it um, until we kind of see this guy play in the Premier League. I mean, it's one thing to do it in South America. Don't get me wrong. Argentina's a competitive league, but it's a different ball game in England. So do you have any anything to kind of add to that, Andres? Have you, you know, yeah. have a little background on the guy? I think this is the signing of the window. I really do. Wow. I think it's the fact that it was done in January before his season was done and and you send him back to finish off and he can start fresh in the summer. This is this is it. I mean, the guy can play striker, left wing, right wing, Cam. This is perfect for Pep, right? He can play him anywhere in the front three. Um, he can mold him. This this feels a lot like the Gabriel Jesus initial signing where they got him before everybody else came around, let him stay in, in his current club for a little bit, then pulled him back. So to me, I think... Man City looks good right now without a striker. Well, this guy's clinical. Even Man United was trying to get him. Everyone was linked to him. He's he's good. He's really, really fast. He's agile, has a striker's touch. I mean, he can finish with his eyes closed. I think I think this is quite the coup, and it only makes City even stronger. The fact that they got him for, like, I don't even know, I think 20 mil? 20, 20 one or something like that yeah, yeah. that's that's a steal and yeah. uh a mill for every year he's been alive Just put it that way like the guy has 18 goals in 21 matches in argentina again that doesn't translate like for like in england but argentinians are pretty rough and physical. it's a good league it's a good league for those people that don't know like it, the the rivalries the storylines i mean the quality of football like it's actually it's actually a very very good league I I think that this alongside uh, the Bruno Guimaraes signing by Newcastle, I think these mm-hmm. are this is the the signing uh, to me. Guimaraes, I feel like one. that one. I mean, I don't have a Newcastle bullet point here, but I, I feel like the Guimaraes signing was a was a ex- very expensive one. This one in terms yeah, 50, of value, fifty something mil. Yeah, he yeah. definitely expensive, but his number his outputs like defensively as a box-to-box center mid and and offensively as well with, like, mm-hmm. key chances created and that sort of thing was really good in league on. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the, this one is obviously one that you're going to have to wait to see play out. But this just – again, just remember this name at the beginning of next season whenever, you know, young player of the season gets thrown out. Yeah. I it- I think the last time there was this much hype around an Argentinian coming out of Argentina was probably Lautaro, Lautaro Martinez. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also so, a River Plate player. What, what, did he come from River Plate? I don't think I he did. So. Wasn't he from racing? Oh, wait, no, you're right. It was racing. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I sound like an American. <laughs> um, moving on uh, to our rivals, our One of very, rivals. very small uh non-girthy neighbors tottenham um they did a lot of business on they have very active yeah um obviously they're outs they have tangi and dombele he's gone back to Lyon. uh i think it's a it's a loan deal but there's an option to buy for damn near the price they bought him for which is ridiculous um giovanni lacelso also out on loan uh deli alley or uh, yeah, Dele Alli going to Everton, permanent deal. That happened like right at the last second. Yep. And then also Carlos Gill, the guy that um, you know, Ringo Starr looking like. Ringo Starr looking fool, yeah. <laughs> he uh, he went on loan as well to kind of prove himself Valencia. because he's like dog shit so far. So 
you know, like I said, Deli Alley was the only permanent deal for outgoings. Um, usually when a player leaves Spurs, my hatred towards them withers a little bit. This didn't at all. Um, I hate the guy still. Uh, but in terms of incomings, you know, um, Antonio Conte did call for a lot of transfers. We mentioned it here on the pod before. He's very, very uh, vocal about it. They rated Juve, basically. So coincidence. He kind of does that everywhere he goes. Um, he signed Dejan Kulishevsky, a uh, 21-year-old winger, Swedish kid, for 11.9 million euro loan fee. <laughs> Just a loan fee, Andres, until 2023. And then, of course, they have the option to make it permanent because uh, Juve's trying to make some room bring, after bringing in Vlahovic. Uh, that deal will be worth 39 million if they decide to make it permanent. Um, they also signed Rodrigo Bentancur, the Uruguayan center mid, permanent transfer, 24 years old. Um, like I said, center mid, box-to-box type of player. Not really a true six, not really a 10, more of an eight. Um, it could rise an additional six and a half million pounds. I don't um, I don't know. I feel like the Kulishevsky signing for them was a very good one. I think it gives you more options than just relying on Harry Kane and Dele Alli's hamstrings all season. Um, but the, ben- the Benton Court one, Andres... Kind of happy about that one from a Chelsea fan perspective because I don't really rate the guy all too much. Um, but what about you? I mean, I think the Kulusevsky just completes their front three. I think their front three has been a two-man team plus one where that third name is just the guy that's healthy out of position playing on the right side because you don't move Son. Uh, Kulusevsky is left-footed coming from the right side, so that makes perfect sense. Uh, the Bentancur one, I mean, he's not worse than Oliver Skip. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you want a guy that's going to be gritty in the midfield. And, and under Conte, I, I feel like uh, Hoidberg hasn't looked as good as he, he did at the beginning under uh, both Mourinho and even, uh, wow, I'm losing my Bunch. mind here, Nuno. Oh, Nuno, excuse me, yeah. Yeah, so, again, it makes sense, I think, Conte has been whining and hitting the table and, and asking for it. I, If it works, honestly, I'm glad it happened after January because we don't see Tottenham the rest of the season. So if they want to deduct points from those around us, that's perfectly fine by me. Uh, but I, Spurs just, they're still trying to figure it all out. Sure, they went undefeated for a while, but it wasn't pretty. And I don't think it was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? They weren't... Uh, kind of just lighting it up they were scraping through those victories so to me it'll put them in a more of a top four battle realistically but I don't think it it edges them closer to to Chelsea standards yeah um I don't have a bullet point here for Man United because it really didn't do anything they Um, they sold Donny van de Beek finally no, loaned him. Loaned him, sorry. Yeah, loaned yeah, him. yeah. So He's just free for him. a few months. So I guess that's a win for them because, you know, your best midfielder is going to play now. Um, but moving on, I mean, we got Arsenal. Their shit show kind of continued. The Obama Yang story was hilarious. You know, the guy goes from, uh, you know, I have an Arsenal friend who's in a group chat with me and Sam, and today he said, uh, you know, I said that I lost all respect for him as a footballer after seeing, like, you know, just the shit that he's pulled the last couple weeks. And then he goes and says, 
he's still a club legend though. And I said, for what exactly? You know, he scored a couple <laughs> hat tricks for you, but one FA Cup. You're gonna do. You're gonna go club legend, bro. Like, you're you're gonna say that that guy is you know up there with the Henri's, the Vieira's, the Thurcamps. Like, not a chance. I, I, I don't think so. So, um, you know, he left. They signed uh, U.S. men's national goalkeeper uh, Matt Turner from the Revolution. Um, that's in New England for all of you that don't watch MLS. The fee was around seven million. I mean, talking about the Matt Turner deal from an American fan perspective, Andres, he's going to be back up. I mean, third string as of right now. I mean, if anything, anything, this is, this is a quick, quick action to get him before his stock goes up a little bit more because he has been more of the number one for the USA recently. Mm -hmm. And to me, this just spells out that they're, they're looking for a new home for Bern Leno. Just because yeah. Ramsdale is officially the starter. Uh, to, to go back to the Obama Yang thing, the thing that I keep forgetting and and makes this move and saga even funnier is that this is all being recorded for Amazon. So we're going to get to watch all of this oh, season. Okay. So just when Arsenal was trying to be like all positive about their move, youth movement, end of January, they're. They're coming off of, I believe, a three-match loss streak. And then Obama Yang just leaves for free after signing what I believe was, like, the most expensive deal aside from Urzil, maybe. So I, I want to – let's not fast-forward. Uh, flashback to the summer – or the January where we thought we got the short end of the, the, the stick when we got Giroud – Mishi went to Dortmund, and then Dortmund sent Aubameyang to Arsenal. Just come back to the present. Giroud won the Champions League, is now off to the sunset. We didn't do any overpaying for someone like Aubameyang, and now he's leaving on a free to Barcelona. It's just great. Zach, you're muted. There we go. I'm always due for one a pod. Um, no, I, I was just saying, like, I it still baffles me that Barca is even able to bring players in. That was my That's big thing. It, it made it ago. seem it made it seem like Aubameyang could only come in if they got rid of Dembele. Yeah. So I don't know if if we just don't know that a different player ended up making a move out of Barcelona or they demoted somebody back to the academy officially because they. They had to open up wages to get mm-hmm. it done. So I, I know the president was saying, like, they're doing everything they can to, to get Aubameyang signed and registered because that's the part that's tough for Barcelona right now. Not getting the player to, to commit to Barcelona, but then getting them in to La Liga and everything. Yeah. 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 Well, fuck Arsenal. I don't want to talk about them anymore. Um <laughs> We did get a question from Black Emoji, Andres. We could kind of answer this quickly. I don't think there's an answer to it, honestly. I think I have um, an answer. Yeah, go, well, well, I'll read it out and you could go for it. Uh, Black Emoji asks, what do you think our outgoing transfer business is going to look like at the end of the season? There is one name for sure that I think is going to get sold and should be easy to move, and that's Timo Werner. I, I don't think Timo will last another year at Chelsea. 
I think that Broja will be back. Lukaku, you can't move. I think if the right if the right number comes for Pulisic, he may be moved. And I think the Deadwood, Chelsea's going to try to push away, you know, your Marcos Alonso. We know that Aspie is most likely leaving on a free. Christensen most likely leaving on a free. But in terms of really selling players, I think a Bundesliga club will give us roughly what we paid for Timo Werner. Uh, Dortmund is going to be looking for a striker. Bayern is going to need to look for somebody post Lewandowski. And Timo scores in the Bundesliga. Hell, even Red Bull Leipzig might be back in for him. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Maybe we could swap with, with, with Leipzig and get in Kunku. <laughs> Who knows, man? But I think Timo is the for sure one. I think Ziyech has brought new life into his Chelsea career. I'm not sure if the board is willing to let go of Kai Havertz yet. But again, it, not just that. I also don't think his stock is very high. So I think you move Timo in the summer. And then next year, next summer, unless Kai Havertz works his way in post-World Cup, who knows what his stock will look like. But in terms of players that need to go immediately, I think Timo's top of that list. Yeah. Uh, followed by perhaps Marcos Alonso. I mean, I, I, I think our midfield is pretty solid going into next season. I don't really think we should make any moves besides maybe getting another DM. Um, but when it comes to like incomings, I think, I think fullbacks are definitely on the radar and then possibly another attacker to maybe supplement losing Timo. But that kind of depends on what Tuchel wants to do with Gallagher too. I mean, if he's going to utilize Gallagher as Mount 2.0, then we don't really need to replace. Imagine Timo a four leaving. one, the four one four one with Mount and Gallagher behind the striker. The pressing just, would be ridiculous. Uh, I think I, I'm hoping. I, I don't want to give up on Kai yet, but the way no. Mount has been playing only makes it harder for Kai to get on the side, get in on the side, uh, if he's just looked at as a traditional ten. So. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Like I said, the only ones that I think are for sure square pegs and round holes are are now Timo Werner and Alonso. The yeah. jury's still up for for what Tuchel sees in Pulisic, but I I put those two names and then in the in the maybe tier, Pulisic. Uh, yeah, Pulisic, and that's it. I I can't think of any other. Ziyech. If, if we don't stick to the four back to, to the back four, Ziyech is gone. I think. Fair. Yeah, I, th- I just think that that's one player that definitely needs the system more than the system needs him. Um, but I do. let's look ahead, actually. Um, we got Plymouth Argyle in our return to normal football, uh, FA Cup action. Um, Andres, I said it before, uh, or I said it last pod when we were reviewing um, – when we were doing our match review. And I said that with the way Cho played in that game, I think he's definitely going to start next week. And I still kind of stick by that, I think, uh, or in two weeks, rather. I I think he's going to get the start. I think we'll probably see, um, you know, some mixture of our main players and a mixture of our rotational guys. You know, it, it would be really nice to see some of the academy kids get a start um, if not, make the bench. You know, this could be a good game for guys like Harvey Vale to get minutes, Lewis Hall, 
yes, I differentiated the two. I mean, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I think you'll see Timo Werner is going to start because he hasn't gotten minutes. I think Kai Havertz needs to start because we just haven't seen him at all. And that's worrying to me. I think maybe Marcos Alonso gets a few minutes here. Saul needs to start just because he was playing well, and it'll give the other midfielders a bit of rest. Trevor Chalaba had been rumored to, to be back, so maybe get him some easy minutes. I think I think Kepa probably gets a break just because it's Plymouth Argyle. Mm-hmm. No offense to them. Uh, I would... The thing is, you need to start Timo, so I don't think you get him and Lukaku at the same time. On the right side, I really don't know who you start. Maybe that's where Harvey Vale can get in on the right side of the 4141. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. Maybe or you keep playing Ziyech because he's hot. Yeah, you could. Start maybe him, he can you, be you like your. He can be your guy where if everybody else decides to fall asleep, he can kind of like just create something something out of nothing. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, the subs bench should be mostly. So it should be mostly the youth. Obviously, you keep insurances like Jorginho if you start losing possession or uh, perhaps you throw in. Mount in there if you need a little bit more. Trevor Chalaba if, he, if he's healthy. Reese James if he's I think healthy. He Reese James, I don't think you even consider bringing in just yet. I think you save him. No, for no, maybe not as maybe not as a starter. But if if we can give him the last ten minutes of the match and say, listen, don't break out into a full sprint. Just kind of get out there, ping a few passes around, and get back Only in for rhythm. Only my multiple goals. I don't need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, I, I think you'll see a lot of the second teamers more so than the youth. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. I mean, Andres, it's it's going to be a busy February. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into our rest of the month um, next week in a little bit more detail as we, you know, kind of have our uh, Club World Cup kickoff pod. Um, but yeah, I mean... Is there anything else that you really want to add here? I mean, overall, I guess we should follow the trend that every other podcast is doing in terms of our transfer window, but I don't really think we can grade ourselves because we didn't make any moves to judge ourselves on. So, um, <laughs> I, yeah. I give, us, I give us an A for not signing somebody just to sign somebody. Oh, man, you're going to get canceled for saying that. <laughs> I, th- I think this podcast is going to get canceled by a lot of accounts just based on what I've been reading on Twitter. Uh, just madness. Everybody wants a world-class January signing. It's not going to fucking happen, people. Get over it. Um, but anyways, with that being said, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, we will be dropping another pod post-Plymouth Argyle just to uh, kind of round up that match and, again, talk about the rest of our February outlook. Potentially two trophies on the card, Andres. Um, So until that pod, let's keep the blue flag flying high.